Now Korah, the son of Izhar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan, and Ibaram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with a number of people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said to them, You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he said to Korah and all his company, In the morning the Lord will show who is his, and who is holy, and will bring him near to him. The one whom he chooses he will bring near to him. Do this, take censers, Korah and all his company, put fire in them, and put incense on them, but for the Lord tomorrow, and the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the Holy One. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. And Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, it is too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister to them, and that he has brought you near him, and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you. And would you seek the priesthood also? Therefore it is against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you grumble against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abraham, the sons of Eliab, and they said, We will not come up. It is a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you must also make yourself a prince over us. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? Will we not come up? And Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, and I have not harmed one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Be present, you and all your company, before the Lord, you and they, and Aaron tomorrow, and let every one of you take a censer and put incense on it, and every one of you bring before the Lord his censer. Two hundred and fifty censers, you also and Aaron, each his censer. So every man took his censer and put fire in them, and laid incense on them, and stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Then Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and will you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abraham, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be swept away with all their sins. So they got away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. And Dathan and Abraham came out and stood at the door of their tents, together with their wives, their sons, and their little ones. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. If these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens its mouth, and swallows them up and with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. And as soon as he had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, with their households and the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense.
Number 16, 1 through 35. Demons. Satan. The darkness will be exposed. into the abyss. Welcome everybody to our first series. It's kind of unfortunate and a blessing that we're starting our podcast in October. But since it's October, you know, Halloween month, the devil's holiday, if you know what I mean, uh, we thought it would be best to start off with a series called Into the Abyss. We'll get into what that means. That's what we'll be doing for the rest of this month. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We're excited to get this started. Hopefully, you all have a good month with us. Yeah, we should be covering some of the darkest topics in the Bible in a good light. Like our verse, Ephesians 5.11 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, which is exactly what we'll be doing for the next month. And I hope you guys will enjoy it. I'll be spending a ton of time editing these for you guys to make them the highest quality possible. I guess the first thing we'll do is we'll get into discussing the cold open. So what are your thoughts on that story from the Bible? What, what are you that, thinking? That was just a crazy story. How they were talking about how the earth opened and they fell into a life. Yeah, exactly. That, was, that just blew my mind. Yeah, I know. That is kind of crazy because that, that implies that it's a physical place. I mean, they fell in there alive. like Yeah. Along with all their animals and stuff. Which that's kind of, that makes you wonder, how did they not die instantly? Because, I mean, they they had to drop at least millions of feet down. Yeah, that's true. That's true, too. Maybe they, they died like as soon as they hit the ground. I don't know. It said they fell alive into shield, so I don't know. that. I mean, that's what it said, so. Yeah. It kind of makes you think that they survived when they hit the ground or yeah, there that, for a little bit. Yeah, and then Moses uh, later mentions them in one of his speeches and, and says again that they fell alive into shale. So it's crazy. I mean, that just implies it's a physical place, but and also a place of judgment because they were in rebellion against God. Yeah, and you don't you don't do that against God. No, that that was a very blatantly prideful thing to do. Like that was, was horrible. So. The first thing we're going to get into is why was Sheol created? Now, a lot of people will get confused between hell and Sheol, and that's what we wanted to ratify first, or one of the first things. Uh, because a lot of people think that Sheol and hell are the same thing, but they're not. Sheol is the place that before Jesus rose from the dead, everybody went, but not in a way where everybody had the same punishment or or just chilling in paradise like it wasn't like that that's not that's not how it works uh god's justice was still being served to those who were in rebellion against him why was Sheol created the fall the fall of man there was no death before the fall of man did it be a place to go after you died because there was no death you know what i mean yeah so when man fell Adam and Eve sinned, Eve listened to the serpent, took the forbidden fruit, and Adam, alongside her, ate it and brought sin on humanity as our representatives, which also brought death into the world, which is why Sheol had to become a thing. 
Now, when Shield was created exactly, we don't know. It was probably as soon as the fall happened because that's when death and sin entered the world. But again, we don't exactly know. It was to house the dead. We'll be getting into all the intricacies and nuances of like where it is, what it's like, what the Bible says about it. I think Shell was created because, I mean, God knows it's going to happen from the beginning all the way to eternity. So I think when he created Sheol, Sheol since he, you know, had the Hades, he had uh, the heaven part of it, and then, like, the pit. I think he knew what he was doing, and then when he died on the cross and came back and ascended into heaven, he took all his people, he took all the believers and all those people with him and left all the other people. So I think he knew what he was doing when he created Sheol, and it was just kind of, you know, uh, for the time now, that's what's going to be everything, and then when I resurrect, everything will change. Just kind of a representation of how everything will change when he resurrects. We're going to talk about what is Sheol exactly? What does the Bible say about Sheol? So the Bible talks about Sheol quite a lot, unlike most people think. It describes Sheol as the place of the dead. In 1 Samuel 2.6, it says the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. It talks about how the righteous and the wicked are there. In parts of scripture, it describes Sheol as paradise, or parts of Sheol as paradise. Uh, there are parts where it says, in Luke 16, 22, it says, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Uh, it also says, Sheol is a place of comfort. Um, in Luke 2, 16, 25, it talks about how people will be comforted there. It was also, Jesus talks about it on the cross, he describes it as a paradise. And and the exact words of Luke 23 through four, er, 23, 43 says, And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And, but that, that sounds like it's just the good part. It's also a bad part. There is a, Yeah, exactly. There, there's also a part where the wicked went. Uh, still go. It's they, It says that Sheol is a place of the dead for the wicked. The wicked shall return to Sheol on all the nations that forget God. Psalm 17. So Hades and Paradise were separated by a chasm. In Luke 16, 26, it says, And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. This is a parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, talking. It's, it's kind of Jesus talking about Sheol a bit. But what it sounds like is that there's a great chasm in between paradise and where the evil people reside, Hades. Yes, that's what it does sound like, yeah. Right, so it's very interesting. Uh, so again, they didn't just get equal treatment. That wouldn't be just. They received punishment there just as they still do now. All right, I, I have some Bible verses actually on. Oh, really? Some show, yeah. Go ahead. So Psalm 16.10 for you will not abandon my soul to shale, or let you see one see corruption. I think that's a pretty good verse about how there's also a corruption of shale. Like it also is a bad place. Mm -hmm. Psalms 49, chapter 15. But God will ransom my soul from the power of shale, for He will receive me. So a lot of very encouraging verses uh, that the Old Testament writers were using. That's all. That's all David, right? In Psalms, he's writing these songs to God, praising Him. And thanking him, sometimes lamenting to him. But very encouraging stuff, I guess, especially for that time. I have one here that says in Psalm 139, verse 8, in the presence of God was in Sheol, at least where the 
the saints were. It says, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Which Ooh, is that's good. Yeah, it's very, that's, that is a very good one. That is a very good yeah. one. Psalm 30, verse 3, it says, O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Which is a very interesting verse. It kind of implies rescuing from Sheol. So, that is- I don't know. That's interesting, though. Sheol is also described as the farthest place from heaven. It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Job 11, verse 8. Sheol is a place of fire, for a fire is kindled by my anger, and it burns to the depths of Sheol, devours the earth at its increase, and sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. Deuteronomy 32, 22. Sheol is not a place of worshiping God, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Psalm 6, 5. Sheol is also a place of silence. If the Lord has not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. Psalm 94, 17. All extremely interesting. That is very interesting. Very interesting descriptions. Yes. Um, that are we like this is stuff we need to talk about. Uh, we need to understand. Yeah, you have to under, We need to under, make sure we understand all of this because it's very important to understand the differences. Exactly. Job twenty four chapter nineteen states. Draught and heat snatch away the snow waters. So does Sheol, those who have sinned. Draught and heat snatch away the snow waters. So does Sheol, those who have sinned. So does Sheol, those who have sinned. That's, Ooh, that's yeah, really that's, cool. That's really cool. Definitely talking about the punishment of Sheol right there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely talking about the punishment of Sheol and how, how it snatches up all sinners. Yes. That's what I was saying. Yeah, that's, that's great. It also says that Sheol is seen by God. It says that Sheol is naked before God and Abaddon has no covering. Job 26, 6. Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of man. Proverbs 15, 11. Well, that's really interesting. Solomon right there tied it into how God sees the hearts of man as well as Sheol. That is interesting because that's, like, yeah, because God sees everything that we do, everything that we think, like he can read us like a book basically. Exactly. So he can see everything in Sheol, every person in Sheol. He knows every person in Sheol. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's a good, that's an interesting verse. Yeah. And Job says that Sheol cannot be escaped. As the cloud fades and vanishes, so he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. It's, that's another scary verse. That's a, that's, a, that's a scary one. That's a little bit a little bit of a scary one there. It's like when uh, your time's up, you don't get another chance when you're in front of God. Yeah, exactly. You say, ha ha, it was all a joke, man, right? No. Your life is your chance. Exactly. Remember that. Exactly. So repent now. Cause yes, don't wait. You can't, you can't be those people when you think, oh, I'll just do it when I'm older or later. You don't know if you have a guaranteed later. You don't you know, know if you'll be alive in the morning. I'm not trying to scare you, but yeah, you don't have a guaranteed if you're older. No. Yeah. It's just it, I I just I love how much the Bible talks about these these things. They're just so interesting to me. You know. They very much are. Exactly. They're they're just it's just awesome. All these. Uh, one of my greatest, my no, one of my favorite 
theology writers, Michael Heiser, he said the weirder it is, the more important it is. If talking about the Bible, which I think that is, is just so true. Like that is factual. That is factual. That is literally factual. You can't be more <laughs> factual than that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So where is Sheol? Uh, this is going to surprise a lot of people. Like, this is this is gonna this is gonna surprise a lot of people because most people don't really think about it like this. But the Bible describes Sheol as being inside the earth. Like that is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. And again, like just in the cold open that we read, number sixteen thirty three says, "So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them." And they perish from the midst of the assembly. Then in Ezekiel, it says, Son of man, wail over the multitude of Egypt and send them down, her and the daughters of majestic nations, to the world below, to those who have gone down to the pit. Ezekiel 32, 18. It's just very interesting. I'm talking about sending the daughters of majestic nations to the world below. I'm talking about Sheol, the world below. Yeah, you know, I feel like the Bible talks about a lot, especially in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. about below. Like it's exactly. always below death. Death is always below something. And yeah, and pit. Like it's always talking about like yeah, the world below. That's really interesting, I think. That phrase in the Bible. I just thought of the idea like, I just had a thought. Mm. If they're talking about a pit, if you're in a pit, you can bury you can almost see the top. You know it's an unreachable thing, but you can see the top and mm-hmm. it's usually light. So I wonder are they talking about you're stuck in the pit, but you can also see what you could have. You're reminded of what you could have had basically mm-hmm. like you see your mistakes i feel like i feel like that could be the kind of i feel like that would, could be what they're trying to say see, that's but, really interesting that's an interesting thought this is me this is definitely conjecture right here but i did hear a story of a nda nda a near-death experience which nde sorry a near-death experience which we'll get into at some point in an episode probably in when we start the official theology unbound episode but they're just very interesting stories i don't know how much i don't put much stock in them obviously it's stories where people when they come close to dying or, or they do die they have an out-of-body experience where they like see everything around them sometimes they'll like see like a light or something that kind of stuff obviously i don't put much stock in a lot of them there are some that i've heard that sound more interesting than others but a lot of i don't i don't i obviously don't put much stock in those but but i do believe that we are more than just body and flesh so you know we do have souls and a spirit so oh 100 right so again i not that i'm saying they don't happen i just not 100 percent sure but i thought i would share this is that i heard one Whereas this girl, she was talking about her experience and she said that she like died for a few minutes. Like, you know, she was like going through an operation or something and the doctors were able to bring her back. But she said she wasn't a Christian yet. And so she experienced, I guess at the moment, it'd be temporary punishment. So it'd be Sheol. And she said that it was like she was experiencing every single one of her memories where she had heard the gospel or had a chance to turn away from her sin, but that she never did it. And it was just over and over and over. Every time she messed up and every time she could have returned, like repented and trusted God, but didn't. It sounds a lot like what you were saying right there. Again, I'm not, I don't put a ton of stock in those. I'll merely conjecture, but I did hear a story like that. 
don't know. What do you think about that? That is crazy because – I think that's scary. Well, I'm thinking when I heard that is the brain is so powerful. Like it's mm-hmm. more powerful than we know. We can – we all feel because of our brain. We see stuff because of our brain. We hear stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering was that in her head but God was using that like because she, she was probably in a coma since she was being surgery or put mm-hmm. to sleep. So I wonder if God was playing with her head uh, and like, okay, this is what's going to happen if you don't. I'm giving you this warning. Yeah, and maybe, again, maybe maybe she did experience something real because we do have souls. We don't exactly know this how all that works. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting just because of what you're saying. Again, not saying we put stock in it, but I just thought it was an interesting story. Right? It is. So also Philippians says therefore god has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father philippians 2 9 through 11 that's interesting okay that is like every name in heaven and on earth and under the earth under the earth talking about shale i assume exactly but that's really interesting in earth on earth and in heaven on earth and under the earth every tongue it's also a great verse uh, it talking is. about how every tongue will confess to jesus as lord some through gritted teeth obviously not not with a saving trust in him but in a rebellious nature and then others with genuineness uh, because we're saved but yeah. anyway really really interesting I, I just love, you know, these uh, a lot of times we'll read these verses and we'll like kind of s- skirt over these things. We'll kind of skirt over these very small pointers, quote unquote, small pointers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a lot of the time. But that's like a very interesting part. You can't just skip over that under the earth. What does that mean? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that implies that Satan will bow to God. Yeah, that's true. And confess that he is Lord. Yeah. I mean, everyone. Exactly. Everyone. Everything. 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 Yeah. See, and this is this is uh, playing off of that. In Revelation 5, 3, it says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under every creature. Hold on. I'll read that again. Hold on. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever revelation five thirteen. that's so crazy every creature in heaven Why? and on earth because i mean like when i was reading through revelations i mean a lot of the like angels and people like that they're described as creatures that really aren't like what we would consider normal. For the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front of, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature is like a lion. The second living creature is like a calf. And the third living creature had a face like a man. And a fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Mm. I'm just saying, like, it's like it is described creatures with six wings and eyes on the back of their head. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is that normal? No, I would call that a creature, though. I would call that a creature. Yeah, exactly. And they're praising the Lord in heaven. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there's, there's probably a good bit of them. I mean, you know, Sheol, Hell, all that. It's probably yeah, there's actually some... Unexplained creatures. Exactly. There's, there's... Exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. Because the Bible actually mentions a group of them that are in Sheol, particularly. It's actually the same number, or the same name as the tribe of giants. Now, this is extremely interesting. This is getting to a little bit of giant stuff. We'll obviously get into this much later. But it says, I'll give a little background on the giants. It says that in the 14th year, Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him came and defeated the Raphaim in Ashtaroth Karnaim and, Zuz- and Zuzim in Ham and Amim. And okay, anyway, anyway, that's very complicated. That's Genesis 14, 5 through 6. But it, what it says, the, it's talking about different tribes of giants. It says that the Rephaim lived in the land of Ammon, but the Lord defeated them for the Ammonites. Deuteronomy 2 is where it's talking about that. And it even says Og, king of Bashan, was one of the remnants of the Rephaim. It says that the Rephaim lived in the, sh- the valley of the son of Hinnom. It says in Joshua 18, 16, that then the boundary goes down to the border of the mountain that overlooks the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is at the north end of the valley of Raphaim. There are much other stuff about the descendants of the Raphaim and the Raphaim, but implying they were giants, especially talking about how Goliath is a descendant of the Raphaim, giant, uh, and that his brothers were, who had six fingers and six toes on each hand. And it says that they were the descendant of giants, and also says they are the descendants of Raphaim. Anyway... This is all super interesting. Obviously, we'll get way more in depth in the Giants episodes. Um, maybe yes. even in the Demons episodes. Wink, wink, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But the spirits of the Raphaim are in Sheol. Listen to this. The dead, or Raphaim, tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Sheol is naked before God and Abaddon has no covering. That is the full verse from Job 26. It also says the spirits of the Raphaim are in Abaddon. Do you work wonders for the dead, Raphaim? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Salah is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in a battle. Death is also associated with the Raphaim. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, Raphaim, and her paths to the departed. Death is also associated with the assembly of the Raphaim. One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead, or in Hebrew, the Raphaim. Uh, there's a bit more I'll get into, but what do you think about that so far? That is, I mean, all this talk about like the giants and just all that, it, it's just crazy. Like, right. I, it's, it's still just how our world is just so, everything's just normal, but nothing about anything is normal in this existence mm. and i just think that's something people need to see i agree nothing I, nothing I is normal agree. i agree i agree it says that the raphaim are shades in sheol sheol beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come it rouses the shades in hebrew the raphaim to greet you all who were leaders of the earth it raises from their thrones all who were kings of the nations isaiah 14 9 they are dead they will not live they are shades or raphaim they will not arise. To that end, you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. Isaiah 26, 14. And then I'll finish it off. Your dead shall live. Your bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light and the earth will give birth to the dead. In Hebrew, the Raphaim. Isaiah 26, 19. 
mic drop. What? Boom. That, that, those are some powerful verses, man. I'm just saying that's kind of crazy. That is. Like, number one, if you don't believe the Giants are more than just human, shame on you. Number two, the reason I said shame on you, I'm not going to end it there. That would just be mean, is that it says that the spirits of them are like a particular group. It calls them the Raphaim, and it talks about them specifically in Sheol, which is, I mean, that's probably a little bit, I think, just a small, very fraction of what it meant when it said the creatures under the earth. Oh, yeah. Because they aren't human, but that is a creature. Yeah. So, anyway, do you have any thoughts about that? Not too much, but yeah, I think that's what they're talking about when they say creatures under the earth. Mm-hmm. Like giants, like you said, it's just a small fraction of mm-hmm. what it's talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And to continue the conversation about where Sheol is, Sheol is in the heart of the earth. And like we were saying earlier, but Matthew, Jesus straight up says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew twelve forty. You can't get any more clear about that, like at all. That that's just like slapped you in the face. Here it is. That's that's this what, is what it is. Exactly. Jesus straight up. He says that he will spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then, like we all know, three days after he said that. And three nights, he rose again. Yes. So After proclaiming during victory. that time, we'll get into that a little later. But there's some really interesting things that he did down there. Anyway, yes. I just wanted to finish off this little section with Jesus saying it himself. Because you can't argue with him. You can argue with me all you want. You can't argue with Jesus. Sorry. Can't. He's God. So. so, Sheol, before the ascension of Jesus Christ, was a place to store everyone who has passed on from this world. They would either go in Hades if they were a disbeliever and didn't follow Jesus Christ. Or if they were a believer and did believe in God, they would be put in the heaven part of Sheol. Some of the fallen angels and all that, they were put in the pit. So basically, it was for everyone that has passed on for this earth. Yeah. Another thing that is really interesting that we need to talk about is that Sheol, before or before... Jesus died on the cross. How were the ancient people saved? How did they come to salvation? Because they didn't have a Jesus to believe in or a Jesus' death on the cross. So how were they saved? Well, they were under the old covenant where they had sacrifices and they followed the Mosaic law. But they were still, in my opinion at at least, they were elect by God. So God had chosen them before time. And they were saved because they followed God faithfully through the law of moses and and even before that they followed god faithfully and trusted him and what he said and also jesus does appear in the old testament as the angel of the lord but we will talk about that another time i just wanted to have that clarification in there so we could say that ones who served god faithfully like abel before he got stoned uh abraham isaac they followed god before the mosaic law was in place but they still trusted him, followed him, and did what he told them, even imperfectly, because they were humans. So, they were there were saved people in the Old Testament. They were saved. They were elect, in my opinion. They were elect, but they were also they were saved because they followed God and did what He said. So, there were saved people in the Old Testament. That's just yes. that confirmed. Just wanted to get that across there. 
So the ladder shield, again, it seems like it's talking about three separate places throughout the Bible. We have the place where the righteous people would go. We have the place where the evil, rebellious people would go. We'll refer to it as Hades. And then we have Tartarus. Tartarus is the lowest section of Hades where some of the fallen angels are held until the day of judgment. Not all the fallen angels, but some of them. Now, Peter 2.4 says, For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but threw them down into Tartarus and delivered them to be kept in chains of darkness until judgment, right here it states that God threw of some of the rebellious angels down into Tartarus, which is really, really interesting. In Jude 1, verses 6 through 7, it says, In the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, like which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Now, we'll get into... Uh, talking about the angels stuff a bit later in uh, episodes, like the demon episodes coming up soon, if you keep listening, wink, wink. But right there, it's saying that there are angels kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness in Tartarus, which is in Sheol. Now, Hades sounds like, from what the Bible says, so it says Hades is where the evil people go, and yeah, anyway, I said that earlier. Yeah. So that is what the layout of Sheol is. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just think that's crazy how there's the three parts because there's Tartarus, which is for like the fallen angels. Some of them are still chilling with us. So that was the on- that was only the group that uh, we'll talk about later, but it was the only the group that had children with humans was sent there. Because another verse says, when God's patience, it was talking about like God waiting in the days of Noah is when they sinned. So... We, we take that to mean that these are just the angels that fell in the days of Noah, but not all the fallen angels are in Tartarus. So only some of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which one thing that was just like, I don't know, but like when they say they had, they had chains, that they're mm. chained up in Tartarus, mm. that shows that it's like, it's even a worse punishment than Hades. Because they have all these chains on them. What I they mean, have done. Uh, that's a good segue into the punishment of Hades. The punishment of Hades, actually, it gets really bad. So uh, the punishment in, of hate in Hades includes unquenchable thirst. Luke it's 16, that 20... it's okay. No, everyone can agree that yeah. being thirsty is one of the worst things in the world. <laughs> like, imagine never being able to quench it, never having water. And Luke 16 says, Luke 16, 24 says, And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger into wa- in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. So again, unquenchable thirst. That's absolutely awful. And we get mad when we don't get water in, you know, three hours. Exactly. They don't get water for an eternity. But this, it also includes fire. Like in this verse, it says, for I am in anguish in this flame. So it includes fire. Again, another really, like, a lot of people can agree, probably getting burned is one of the worst pains anyone can experience. Yeah, like skin and fire do not go together whatsoever. Like, no. absolutely not. There's no... Just, mm, You're just burning in a pit of fire. Exactly. It's it's absolutely horrible. A lake of fire. Yeah, exactly. A lake of fire. Also, well, not the eternal lake of fire, but a lot of fire. A lot of fire, so, yes. A lot of fire. 
The punishment in Hades includes fire and miry pits. Psalm 140.10 says, Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits. No more to rise. Yeah, that's... And Jesus talking in Matthew says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Again, that's hell, but still. The destruction yes. of soul? That's crazy. That is crazy. That's like... like that's what not being connected to God is. Is mm-hmm. it is hell? That that is the description of hell. Yeah. Yeah, you're that's unattached. Thing, exactly. But that's another thing that we have to make sure to clarify is that Jesus. We'll discuss this again a little bit later. But Jesus did not get sent to hell when he died. That that would be kind of sacrilegious because he didn't do anything wrong. This yes. is the problem. Why this is why Sheol exists. Well, well, it's it's one of the proofs that it exists. Jesus didn't also did not just return to heaven because that why would it make such a big deal about what his ascension when he uh, left the disciples later? Yeah, but Jesus went down to Sheol and was with the saints. Again, we'll talk about what he did down there a bit later. Psalm eleven six says the punishment in Hades includes coal raining down on their heads. It says let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. Psalm eleven six. A scorching wind. Fire and sulfur. Like, that must be like wind that's like, like actually the degrees of fire. And you just have all that wind blowing on you. That's, that's you know, horrible. millions of degrees. Yeah. This is why we're doing this series because yeah. we don't want y'all to have to deal with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want this no one a, to deal with this. This is a PSA, guys. Yes. But seriously, if you haven't yet. Trust in Jesus, repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, and trust in him, and you won't have to face this when you die. Yes. This isn't even the worst of it. Eternal hell is much worse than Sheol. Yes, it is. This is is just the temporary punishment, which is, that's kind of scary. You have an eternity. That's an eternity of even worse. worse What can get worse than what we're talking about right now? Exactly. Like, you can't even imagine how bad it's going to be. But it's no. about to get way worse because in Isaiah fourteen eleven it says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol, the sound of your harps. And then it says, hold on, maggots are laid as a bed beneath you and worms are your covers. Isaiah fourteen eleven. Why? Why would, oh no, my why would you just repent? That, like, just, what, like, <laughs> that is just, and it gets worse. <laughs> like, I, like, it gets just, worse. As we were saying, it can't get worse. It got so much got, worse. Because you're just <laughs> standing on worms and maggots. You're sleeping with on maggots and worms are your covers. That's horrible. Wait, I just saw something. Mm. If you're dead, because you are yes. dead. Yes, you are dead. Maggots infest the dead bodies. That's true. That is true. What if you just had maggots crawling in you? Ugh. Because you were a dead corpse. That well, sounds a like dead a punishment. Like, yeah, that is. And then guess what? It gets worse. And it gets worse. It gets worse for an yeah, eternity. Like, yeah, that's... Anyway. Anyway. There's a, the other, another punishment in Hades includes purposelessness. That is the cause of leading depression. I'll tell you that. Listen to this. In Ecclesiastes 9.10, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Whoa. You're just... That's sad. Just floating there, standing gets, there. It gets there's no point, and you're sleeping on maggots with worms. You it's scorching wind, raining coals, burning fire, endless thirstlessness or thirstness, thirst, thirst, 
thirstlessness, thir- thirstiness, endless thirstiness, unquenchable thirstiness. There you go. I mean, and it gets worse though. With, with it, it nothing, gets, bro, it can't, gets worse though. Can't swiddle your thumbs. You no. can't play rock paper scissors shoot with the guy next to you. There's probably no guys next to you. It's nope, probably it's loneliness. Complete isolation. Because you can't. I can't hear anything down there. Mm-mm. It's again, like we said, silence down there. Yeah. Listen to this. It says the punishment of Sheol also includes hopelessness for Sheol does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. Isaiah 38, 18. And it gets even worse. It says the punishment in Hades includes no peace. There is no peace. says just... my God for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 21. Ooh. I just saw something. What we were talking about earlier. They said there is... Can you read that part again? What you just read? I said that there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 21. Which means even though it's complete silence, there is no peace. Which peace is like being able to, you know, sleep. Like what we define as peace is usually being able to sleep well and have easy thoughts. Mm. You're probably just being reminded of what you could, like... How you oh. didn't like the girl, like we were talking like we about. We were talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah, you probably just keep getting reminded and reminded and reminded as and you're reminded. going through um, complete and utter unquenchable thirst, thirstiness, and fire, wind, actual fire, beds of maggots, raining coals, silence, silence, hopelessness. I mean, should I go on? Like purposelessness. I mean, you'll have. Uh, the worst kind of depression down there because those are all signs of depression. So, I mean, and, you also got depression. Exactly. And, <laughs> and the punishment in Hades, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's just, I'm just laughing because it gets worse. It's it's not anything to laugh about. It's horrible. No, it's not. But, but it just gets even worse because the punishment in Hades includes not remembering God. It's for in death, there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Psalm 6, 5. And God is defined as joy. There is no joy without God. So yeah. you just aren't happy. That's You just mm-hmm. can't be happy. There's no, there's nothing good. Nothing remotely good will be there. This is really interesting that I've noticed from going through all these verses that it says, you know, it says, if I go down to the depths, you are there in Sheol, right? Uh, yeah. Talking to God. What's really interesting is that in internal hell later, which we'll have an episode on, uh, on Halloween night about hell and the gospel, but we'll get into hell. But, well, as in we'll <laughs> go into the Bible versus talking about hell. Yes. Which is different than shale, again, like we said. We'll describe it even more when we get there. But what I saw that was really interesting is that it says that God, like the psalmist writer said, is if he goes down to the depths of Sheol, God is there. But in hell, it is the complete absence of God, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, the, it's just... Like we said, so again, hell gets not, worse. Exactly. So it's not even as bad as it will be. And I guess lastly, I'll finish off. There, there's a mu- much more in the Bible that discusses this. But lastly, to finish off this section, it says, For a fire is kindled by my anger, and it burns to the depths of Sheol, devours the earth and its increase, and sets on fire the foundation of the mountains. I already read that before, but it is good to finish it off. But that God's anger is a fire that burns in Sheol. Yep. So... So, don't want to be on God's bad side. So repent now. Yes, you don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. And then, of course, in the later episodes, we'll talk about the beauties of heaven. And yeah, yes, we also discuss the gospel. 
on Halloween night when we discuss hell. What better night to discuss the gospel than the devil's holiday? Yes. Uh, hopefully you guys aren't going out. If you are, there isn't judgment. Be careful where you go. Be careful exactly. what you do. And it's also better to celebrate Luther Day instead when he nailed the 95 Theses on the wall of the Catholic Church. Anyway, so what's really interesting is that the Bible talks about an angelic being called Abaddon. This is really interesting because it describes him as the king of the abyss. Now, as we've discussed earlier, the abyss is Tartarus. Now, what are your thoughts on that? I'll give you guys the verse. Yep. Revelation 9:11 says, They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, his name is Apollyon. Revelation 9:11. Okay, that's from Revelation there. That's straight from the Bible. But the king of the bottomless pit is an angel named Abaddon or Apollyon. Now, I'm going to lean towards he's a fallen angel, that he was probably put there as a punishment too. I mean, that'd probably be extremely lonely. It'd probably be terrifying and horrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it sounds like he's pretty powerful, an angelic king of the abyss. I mean, that's kind of that's cool. I, I feel like we can safely assume that when they're talking about the bottomless pit, they are talking about TARDIS. Yeah, because that's, that, that's what it's called in other places too. So I'm, I would assume that too. So yeah. anyway, I just think that's really interesting. We know that Abaddon is not Satan. No, they're separate entities. Yes. So that gives a question of, well, who is Abaddon then? Right. Is he, was, was he also a very powerful angel? Close to, say, God. And Maybe. Did he have lots of power and fell with all the fallen angels? Mm -hmm. Who knows? It seems like he may have. What if he even gate was given the job by God? Like, maybe what if he's not even fallen? Think about that. What if he's actually working for God? Kind of like a keeper, like a jailkeeper. Uh, sure, maybe. But also, I, as I'm thinking about it, Apollo, Apollyon, uh, is the Greek word. Apollyon is a Greek word that's really close to Apollo, one of their gods. So maybe he is a fallen angel, but maybe his punishment was looking like he was supposed to keep the like the the prison, like he was posted as the prison guard, something like that. You know what I'm saying? That actually anyway. does. Anyway, that's just speculation, yeah. guys. That's just speculation. But, you know, it's always fun. I mean, see, the Bible is so complicated. I mean, how much, like, have you learned from just, like, what we're talking about now? Like, how crazy is this? It It's unreal. How much, I know, like, right? How much I thought I knew and then how much I know. Now. Exactly. Like, bro, this is stuff, okay, literally in the center of the earth. Think about this. I want you to literally close your eyes. All right, close your eyes and think about this. In the center of the earth. Okay. Okay. There's the place where the dead spirits of the unbelievers are being punished right now with all the punishments we mentioned earlier. Okay. And that there's a pit with a bunch, uh, I, I would say approximately 200, wink, wink, hint, hint. We'll talk about that later. 208 fallen angels chained up there being like tortured until the judgment day. And an angelic king is is like presiding over it named Apollyon. Okay, now that's crazy. That's, that is. Like, that's inside the earth right now. Like, right now, as we're doing this podcast. I just had a thought. Hmm. So, we know, we know from scripture that it is in the center of the earth. Right. But it doesn't say how deep in the earth. No. So, what if, because scientists say they have seen the center, like, they say that they got really close to the center of the earth and all that. Hmm. Yeah. What if it's in what we call the center of the earth? What yeah. if it's in there? You mean the core? The core. What if it's in the core of the earth? See, inside a magma field that no one can get through because it's that, just so hot. 
That's very possible. But I also saw very recently the scientists changed. You remember how you look in your science books and you see, oh, it's like a bunch of circles. It's like a pie chart kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's a bunch of yeah. circles. Okay, they changed what they said was in the center of the earth. So then, like exactly what we were talking about earlier with the science changing all the time. What did they change it to? They changed it to a bunch of random magma blobs around inside the earth. Actually? Yeah, no, I'm serious. Like I literally, that's what they changed it to. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I know. So I think probably in one of these big magma areas, like you were saying, shale is probably there. Uh, but it sounds like it's in the heart of the earth. Jesus said the heart of the earth. So it sounds center-ish. That sounds very like the center. Which the heart doesn't have to be the center. Usually most metaphor, like most of the time they are talking about. Mm-hmm. But the heart of the earth also could just be words. I, I don't know. Well, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Basically, it does, I don't feel like it has to be in their direct like center. Like, you can measure yeah. it, and it'll be in the exact center. It doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't have to be. I would probably say if you if you wanted to find it, you probably want to look there. But again, probably. I just think it's really interesting the Bible talks about this. And Abaddon is talked about a lot more. It sometimes is used as a name for tar- uh, for the shale as well. I'll read you some of the verses. Psalm 88, 11 says, Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Sounds like it's talking about shale just as a whole. But again, it is mentioning Abaddon. Just a few, I'll just, yeah, I'll give you a few things where it mentions Abaddon. Right. Uh, we, we already said a little earlier, Sheol is naked before God and Abaddon has no covering. Job 26.6. And then Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Proverbs 27.20. That's kind of, that's kind of scary. That is. <laughs> it, it probably is, it's probably the name, it's a name of the place used in the Bible, but it's also confirmed in revelation that he's also an entity so anyway i wanted to mention that you know in our shale episode here's one thing we wanted to clear up before we end this episode off very soon jesus didn't return to heaven or go to hell when he died he entered sheol so jesus didn't go to hell that's sacrilegious but in one of the in one of the uh creeds i don't know if it's apostles creed or anything not saying that creed is sacrilegious but it does say something that Jesus descended into hell. Now, Jesus descending into hell, if they just met Sheol, they probably did just mean Sheol. But that, that's not that's totally fine. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that it is a confusion. But Jesus did not enter hell. Because mm-hmm. uh, hell would just be where evil people go. Jesus, obviously, is not evil. No. Jesus also didn't return to heaven to be by the side of the Father. Not until the ascension. What he did do was go into Sheol. Well, we mentioned it earlier, but Jesus preached to the spirits in prison and proclaimed victory over them, talking about Tartarus, where the fallen angels were. But he, when he descended to the dead, he preached uh, or proclaimed victory over them. They probably were helping behind the scenes, like a mafia boss in prison, talking to his little fallen angel pals and his demon buddies, them or if they could do that that's just a theory but that they may have like been behind the scenes kind of like a mafia boss in prison like they're put in prison but they're still trying to do stuff that's just a theory obviously unconfirmed but jesus proclaimed victory over them they may have thought they may have heard that jesus died i mean probably the whole earth felt that felt that i mean it did oh yeah but I mean, that's kind of a big deal, God dying. That's kind of a big deal. Oh, I know. It sounds crazy. I know it sounds yeah. crazy. It sounds Jesus like God. weird saying like if like, because usually everyone says Jesus died. Right. Jesus is God. Yeah. So you say Jesus. God died. That God died. Weird. God the son died. Jesus. Yes. Which is really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is. 
the creator <laughs> died. Okay, that's crazy. For his um, creation. Obviously, he came back in three days. Yes. Uh, and rose again, which is incredible, uh, just as incredible. But yeah, so when he was down there, he proclaimed to the spirits in prison, talked to the angels, and he also defeated death while he was down there. We'll probably have to talk about this another time, but death seems to be personified in the Bible. It even could be a bad, now I'm thinking about it, but uh, that's not confirmed either. Just that the Bible does kind of personify death at some parts. Some parts. I have read some parts where it talks about death as like a physical or spiritual thing. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, we'll get into it in a later episode. We'll get into it in a later episode. So he also defeated death, got the keys of death, the death in Hades, which sounds like a physical thing. The keys of death in Hades. Yeah. Defeating death. So he probably did something defeating death down there. It was probably super epic, whatever he was doing down there. We'll get into that in a later episode. Yeah, but I think that's, that's, that's I mean, there's so much that we don't know. We'll probably have to talk about this a lot more when we talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. We'll get into a ton more, but just wanted to give a little synopsis there. Yep. Okay, so Greek mythology was extremely close to the, on the underworld kind of stuff. Now, I know this might sound crazy. The Greeks believed in an underworld which was inside the earth. They believed that it had a place called the Isles of the Blessed where the heroes went, and they believed that there was a place called the Fields of Asphodel where you would be punished. And then there was another place, I forget the name, but it was like a Kansas field of wheat, and you, there was literally nothing for the people who did nothing good or bad. Then there was Tartarus where all the Titans who had giant children were thrown. Okay. now that And there was also a god that resided over it named Hades. Now, this is crazy. All right. Now, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> to this Sounds side. like they were close. Yeah, very close. Obviously, there was no there's no place for anyone who did nothing good or bad because like you either are on the good side or the bad side. There's no neutral. Yep. So there wouldn't be that. So other than that, they sounded kind of close with the Isles of the Blessed and the Fields of Punishment or uh, whatever being in the same place yet separated. And also Tartarus being where the Titans were thrown who had giant children. That's so suspicious. That is. That's what the Greeks believed. And that's... <laughs> I don't know. That's gonna... I don't know about that. Anyway... Yeah, we'll get into that, obviously, a lot more. I just wanted to give a brief synopsis. Um, any thoughts about that? I just think, like, I don't know. Like you said, they were just really close on what they were thinking. I think they just try to think too much of themselves for it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, let's what what would be most logical instead of finding a truth? And they, I think they just, I think a few people just came up, this was most likely what happened, so we'll say it happened yeah. kind of deal. What's really interesting is how do they get so close is what I'm thinking. Yeah. They have stories of people going down there and trying to rescue people like dead souls. Most of the time it didn't work. So I don't know. I don't know. Just saying I mean, there are the Greek stories of that. So I don't know. I feel like no I, one can really just come up with a story. They have to have inspiration. So Yeah. And the more I read Greek mythology, the more um, I know it sounds kind of weird, but the more I am convinced that Greek mythology is just a twisted version of reality. I mean, come on. They have, they're so close on like that stuff. They, their gods are probably literally just fallen angel entities. Like, it's, they're probably just telling the truth about what happened just in a twisted way. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Like, at this point, I'm just like, most of these, like, these mythologies, they're probably just telling their point of view of, uh, in a twisted way of something that actually happened. Yeah. Uh, anyway. We'll talk about that in a, like a episode. We'll just focus straight on the Greek mythology being super close. 
Uh, just wanted to put that out there. As we close out the episode, uh, any last thoughts? Not much, but I just think we kind of also kind of proved that yes, there is a shield. And yeah. yes, there's three parts of it. And yes, fallen angels are there. Mm-hmm. I think we just kind of, you know, proved it. And uh, the spirits of some of the giants, which is uh, extremely interesting. We'll have to talk about that in the demons episode. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Hint. What? Foreshadowing. Hint, hint. Obviously, we're going to get way into that and talk about the Bible and all of the stuff the Bible says about that. Obviously, we're not going to leave you with something with no proof. Um, we're not We're not idiots. You know yep, what I mean? so make sure to tune in next week when we uh, give you demons part one. Yeah, it's going to be insane. So we'll see you guys on the next one next week. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And in conclusion, we want to leave you with the story of the Russian drill Siberian incident. See you guys. See y'all. In 1989, Russian scientists in Siberia had drilled a borehole some 14.5 kilometers deep into the Earth's crust. The drill broke through into a cavity, and the scientists lowered some equipment to see what was down there. The temperature was about 1,100 degrees Celsius, about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. But the real shocker was the sound that was recorded. They got only about 17 seconds of audio before the microphone melted, but it was 17 horrifying seconds of the screams of the damned. Here is the recording of the audio. Convinced they'd heard the sounds of hell, many of the scientists quit the job site immediately, so the story goes. Those who stayed were in for an even bigger shock later. That night, a plume of luminous gas burst out of the borehole. The shape of a gigantic winged demon unfolded, and the words, I have conquered in Russian, were smeared into the flames. As a final touch of weirdness, medics were reported to have given everyone on site a dose of sedative to erase their short-term memory. Beginning in 1989, the tale was broadly reprinted in smaller Christian publications, newsletters, and the such, but was given hardly any notice by the mainstream media. We'll see you guys next time on Into the Abyss.